This is the Good Judge Men Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another session of the Good Judgment Podcast. I am Wade Paget, And I'm Tane Kell, and together we will be your hosts. The Good Judgment Podcast is designed for judges, lawyers, and others who are interested in judges and the law and procedure that occurs in a courtroom. Now, our focus is on Georgia law and Georgia judges. We normally address issues dealing with substantive law and procedure, but occasionally we have some other topics that we think might be of interest for judges to consider. For those who have been listening to our podcast, we want to thank you and hope that you'll tell somebody else. And don't forget, folks, if you want to contact us, you can send us an email to goodjudgepod at gmail.com, or you can follow us on the web at goodjudgepod.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the Good Judgment Podcast. I am Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell. And we have a, another fun guest here with us today. We don't do this often, but we're able to uh, secure the services of another guest. You want to introduce, you want to let or let him introduce himself? Yeah, sure. So uh, Wade and I from time to time get bored with each other. And so we need to have somebody else in here. Plus, you guys will get bored with just the two of us as well. So, uh, so Keith, why don't you tell the folks about uh, what jurisdiction uh, you're a judge in and, uh, and what you basically do? Sure. Uh, my name is Keith Wood. And of course, I'm the probate judge in Cherokee County. I've served as probate judge since 2009. And of course, probate court is probate court. It's a pretty wide ranging jurisdiction court. Uh, it is a it is a court of record in this state, and people don't really necessarily know what that means, but we're a court that keeps records, it keeps dockets, it keeps you know, permanent records in some cases. Uh, it's a constitutional office. It means it's uh, one that's granted by the Constitution. There's four of those in each county, including the probate judge, the clerk of court, the sheriff, and the tax commissioner were elected by the county, uh, the individuals in the county. We're independent of the county commission. We are our own thing, uh, which is great for me. It means I have control of my own staff and not the county. Uh, We have uh, jurisdiction over a number of things, including uh, estates, uh, appointing personal representatives of estates, guardianships and conservatorships, both of adults and children. We'll talk a little bit about how some of those jurisdictions blend over into uh, other courts, including juvenile court or superior court. If you don't mind, let me let me sort of interrupt you, because for those of you who don't know, my wife is a probate judge. She's my favorite, Judge Padgett. Exactly. And mine, too. Um, <laughs> it, but, you know, for years and years and years, because I have a little bit of a history background, the probate court was known by another name. It's been actually known by a couple of different names. I mean, originally it was called, well, I wouldn't say it was called by an inferior court, but the duties of the what's now the probate judge was held under the inferior court. So wait and, a minute, I, I need to stop right there. So they don't just call us superior court because of our attitude? <laughs> no, in the original outline, we followed, we had superior and inferior. It wasn't meant to be derogatory it was meant to be jurisdictional it was meant to be you do these and you do these and at that time because we didn't have any money I mean, how are we going to hire different classes of court we don't have we didn't have any we actually didn't have any money we were using english forms of currency and so they they said we're just gonna have superior and inferior and you do this and you do that so then they eventually when it became its own separate animal it was the court of it was called the court of the ordinary. Yeah. And it was that, 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 that sounds term. a little derogatory too. <laughs> That's why they eventually changed it. Okay. Well, in that, that term actually goes back to a religious background. It was a religious court when it was in the church of England, 
but that term was kind of carried over. And the actual court of the ordinary was established in the 1851 uh, amendment to the Constitution of 1798. And that was a separate entity from the inferior court at that time, which still existed. And, and wait, as you said, the superior, you had the superior court and then you had the inferior court. The superior court was the circuit court, essentially. Inferior courts were the county court. They were the courts that dealt with county matters. And I don't mean just hearing cases, uh, legal cases. They were in charge of any kind of county administration. I mean, there weren't such things as county commissions. They, I mean, they, they ran the county. Now, the other thing that, that you'll notice, and, and Keith can, can back me up on this. Probate, or not. Or not, well, which is possible. So <laughs> the probate court still has a bit of the old history in the way that you charge fees. For example, in, in one of our courts, Tane, if, if somebody filed a lawsuit, it was for a dollar figure. You, you paid 200 and whatever dollars, and then you paid the, the maybe the service fee. And whatever happened from that point on was all included in that filing fee. In probate court, that's not necessarily true. And that's sort of a throwback to the days that we didn't have tax money to pay judges. And so every judicial act required a different fee, and that's how the judge was paid. So every time you issue, you sign an order, every time that something was published in the paper with your, I guess, stamp on it as the judge, you were paid a different fee. And they still have some of that today, don't they? Well, I, I think some of the holdover is the way the fee schedule works and that you're, you, you have separate fees and they're all kind of different fees. For instance, like if you file a a probate of a will, there's a base fee. And much like Superior Court, they might be add-ons for the law library or other things of that nature. But you also have a per-page recording fee, and then you have you know a fee for this and then an additional fee for that. So example, if somebody files a probate of a will and someone wants to object to that will, there's a separate fee to object. It's a very strange system, and again, it's a holdover from the days when what they used to call fee system in both the probate court and I think the sheriff's office was also under a similar yep. type of thing where what you, were, what you were earning for your office was based upon the fees that you were going to collect for people filing proceedings in your court. So, so I'm learning something here, Wade. So I'm not supposed to be charging fees for all the things that I do in each of my cases. Unless you're a probate judge. <laughs> Let's be clear, unless you're a hmm. judge of the probate court, you probably should not be charging hmm. people money for signing things or not signing things, et cetera. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just making some notes here. Okay, thanks, guys. <laughs> so let's, let's move on to the jurisdiction. Cause, and now, to be – Keith, you are in which county? I'm in Cherokee County. And you're, are you what is called an Article Six court? Right. I am an Article Six court. Why don't you tell the folks what that means? Because there's a lot of confusion about that. Absolutely. Well, in 1986, the legislature created something called an Article Six probate court. An Article Six probate court is a court that has expanded jurisdiction. However, in order to get that expanded jurisdiction, it has to meet a couple of qualifications. Number one is the population of that county has to, at a certain census, has to be over currently 90,000 people. Also, the judge of that probate court has to be an attorney with the same qualifications, essentially, as a superior court judge. You've got to be 30 years old. You've got to be – had to have been a member of the bar for at least seven years. Currently, I think there's 22 Article Six courts. 
There's also a number of courts, and I call them verger courts. Essentially, they're courts that are really close to being Article 6. They may not be that yet, either because the population isn't quite there yet, but probably will be at the next census, or the probate judge is not an attorney right now. And the way that works is that a if the judge is a non-attorney, they can continue serving as probate judge. However, once that county hits the mark, the next new judge has to be an attorney with the same qualifications in Article 6. So a non-attorney in a, a county that just becomes 90,000 people can remain the judge even though they're not a lawyer until they're no longer the judge, Correct. not just the rest of that term. Correct. Uh, until they either step down or they get defeated in election or you know any number of circumstances can happen that they leave office but if that if that if that next census it bumps over the 90,000 population that person that succeeds that judge is going to have to be an attorney so Tane, let's talk about this and take Keith out of the the hot seat of talking about his colleagues for a moment sure you know there has there have been some comments about the fact that probate judges magistrate court judges, that some of them are non-lawyers. And there's been some, I think, a, a, a faulty impression that they don't, they're not the same as all the rest of the lawyer judges. Think about this. Every county in Georgia must have a probate judge, must have a magistrate court judge, and not every county in Georgia has a lawyer. Right. If the law was that all judges had to be lawyers, which would be great in, in, in theory, then there could be a less than awesome lawyer move to a county and become the king mm -hmm. because he would be the only person qualified to be the judge. Well, I tried a case one time in a county that shall remain nameless in Georgia that had had two lawyers in it. One of them had been the mayor and uh, and I think it also served as a as a probate court judge or a magistrate court judge or something. But he died, and then the other lawyer who was in that county um, had been disbarred. <laughs> and so, in that circumstance, um, you would really have been in a in a difficult situation uh, if you had a law that said that both of those positions had to always be a lawyer. And and I really think that both the probate court uh, probate court counsel and the magistrate court counsel have really undertaken some certification of judges and some testing and, and education that had not been necessarily present before. Why don't you talk a little bit about because you're not the magistrate court judge, correct? That is correct. I mean, you know, in some counties they're both. They they absolutely are. It's strange because in some counties uh, it's like the. It's the probate court equivalent of the EGOT, you know, the person that gets the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. <laughs> right. You have probate judges that literally are almost everything. I mean, they can be probate judge. They can be magistrate judge. Uh, they can have traffic jurisdiction. They can have manage elections. Uh, they're the vital records custodian. I mean, they literally are one-stop shopping for each county. They're like that great utility player on a baseball team, you know. He might pitch one day, he might, you know, play third base one day, play the outfield sometimes. Yeah, and and I think that, you know, in those counties, I mean, these probate judges have all these duties. Uh, and, and reflecting back on what you said about, you know, non-attorneys non and training, I mean, that's one of the things that I think that the probate council has been real proactive and the training council has been proactive about trying to step up the training, especially for those people that come into 
uh, come into this job and their background may be something completely unrelated to probate doesn't mean they can't do a really good job. And I think that there are judges, you know, that are out there that don't have background necessarily in law, but they do excellent, excellent work. Absolutely. And, and they're really, I mean, they're invested in, in their job and invested in doing the best they can. So well, let's, let's well, move Keith, on. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the jurisdiction of the probate Let court. me tell you something. If you want to know exactly who's going to do some weird thing, you guess probate court. Like yeah. if you go to a trivia, if you go to a trivia thing and they say which court has jurisdiction over, and it's I don't something know, weird. the issuance of a fireworks permit, guess probate court. Exactly. Um, so, and that's a carryover from the history too. So let's go through real quick and and talk about. Not all probate courts have exactly the same jurisdiction, correct? That that is correct. They all have one jurisdiction in common. And that jurisdiction in common is, of course, the probates of estates, the guardianships and conservatorships, issuance of marriage licenses, issuance of weapons carry licenses, and some mental health authority, uh, where you're, whether you're committing someone inpatient, outpatient, or sending them for evaluation. All probate courts are going to have that jurisdiction. Because at one time the probate court was kind of the be-all, end-all in each county, over time, they would have other duties added, for for instance, traffic jurisdiction, uh, which was something that came about like in the 1930s, uh, I'm sorry, with uh, this, this passage of this legislation dealing with motor vehicles, which were you know sort of still a new thing at that point in time. And of course, they handed over to the probate court. I like to think of the probate court as the thing where when the legislature is scratching their head about where to assign some duty, somebody just says, look, just skip to the probate court. <laughs> well, well let's talk about what I've always considered to be the the greatest thing in almost every courthouse in the state of Georgia. The two licenses that you can go in and get at the same time, which I think is incredibly appropriate. Well, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, in our office, we used to have one window that issued marriage licenses and firearm licenses. What used to be called firearm licenses, now they're called weapons carry licenses. Uh that was just for our convenience. We had one person that would man that window. Was there jokes about it all the time? A hundred percent. I think it paints a great picture, really. Well, it says a lot about Georgia. Well, it, it does. I, and I will tell you, I mean, there's plenty of people that when they come in our office, they say, "I need, we need to get our marriage license." Uh, is that a weapons carry license? Let me go ahead and do that while I'm here. Well, do you sure, get do you do two for there. one deals? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so let's go. So we talked about vital records. We've talked about elections, and, and I don't really probably want to spend as much time with those. Let, let's go. You've talked about Article 6, not Article 6. What's the difference? Who cares? Well, I think who cares is going to some, be someone who is practicing in those courts because, what, number one, what you can do in those courts is going to ch change depending on whether they're Article 6 or not. Article 6 courts have much more expanded, I say much more expanded jurisdiction. They have jurisdiction over things that normal probate courts, the non-Article 6, wouldn't have. We have authority over uh, some trust issues that would we have that jurisdiction concurrently with superior courts, and that's one of the things that makes Article 6 courts a little bit different because we have more concurrent jurisdiction with, with superior courts. Uh, approval of settlements of, uh, in estates, uh, determination of heirs in estates. There's a number of things that courts would have uh, Concurrent jurisdictions with superior court over tax motivated of planning for um, wards. In other words, people that have a guardianship and conservator over them. 
construction of a will, direction under a will. Those are things that Article Six courts can do, and the parties do not have to file that in Superior Court. They can have it all in kind of one-stop shopping with us, which is real convenient because we're going to get those complex issues because you're usually, you know, you're dealing with fairly large counties. So let me ask you this. You are an Article Six court. You have Superior Court judges. Do they ever transfer things to you that that may have they have had concurrent jurisdiction in but but they would like to see you try because with article six you can have jury trials right correct and we can have jury trials sadly i mean i've we've had we've had article six jurisdiction since 2001 and we've never had a jury trial i keep trying to drum one up but nobody <laughs> in the whole state or you no you're talking about me oh, no. okay I've had them. I, I, my neighboring counties have had them. I've never had one. All right. So if you can have, do you get many things transferred to you that are will and trust related that even though the Superior Court had jurisdiction, they transfer it to you? I, I know I've had some where I went, oh my gosh, no, please no. Because I didn't do that well in wills and trusts in, in uh, law school. And that was a long time ago. And I look at them and I'm like, you know, Kelly Walk really seems like the person. And she's the probate have. judge in Cobb County. She is, and yeah. she's excellent, and she needs to deal with those things. As a matter of fact, she and I were just recently talking about this because one of those things that we can do is something called a conversion to a uni trust. Sure. I don't yeah. know what that is. <laughs> if they were to transfer... Does that have anything to do with usufructs? Because that's a, that's a word that I just... It, it triggers me. I'm triggered by that uh, word. There's a get, lot of bat flashbacks. Um, yeah. Bar prep flashbacks. Black so, Law Dictionary. So, yeah. But I, but so, I but can But can you take transfers? I, 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 I do you probably could. I do not get them. Uh, and I don't... I haven't asked why and haven't went begging for the work. But uh, I, I think that Article Six judges as a rule, are going to be have certainly a much closer relationship with their superior court judges for just for that purpose. Uh, you know, in our circuit, I've been very fortunate that our superior court judges do trust me with things like that. I just, it just hadn't happened that it's come up yet. You know, I was talking to your executive director and um, of the council. And, right, Mr. And, Holder, right. Yeah, Mr. Holder. Um, Kevin. And Kevin is a friend of the podcast in a big way. And yes. he was telling me that the sort of the um, breakdown of lawyer hey, wait, probate get, judges. Hey, wait, get off your phone. You're stumbling with your words. Non-lawyer probate judges. Do you, do you know the number? Off the top of my head, I don't know the number. But if I had to guess, there's probably, well, there's 22 Article Six courts currently. Of course, all of them are lawyers. And then there's probably, I would say there's probably in total roughly about 40 attorney probate judges. Now, obviously not all of them have Article Six jurisdiction. Uh, now, how would that, oh, if their population wasn't yet 90. So, right. Let me get a good example is the judge in uh, Rockdale County, uh, Judge Cuthbert. He, Rockdale County is not quite at, but they will be at the next census at, 90,000, which is the threshold. So he is an attorney judge that doesn't have expanded jurisdiction yet. Um, and he will. And once that, once they hit that, he will have that jurisdiction. So an update for those of you who are being critical of me asking Kevin Holder, the breakdown of judges who are attorneys versus non, let's test your theory. You said about 40. Correct. 117 non-attorneys, 42 attorneys. It's pretty good. Yeah. See, you nailed that's it. That's pretty good. Yeah. So as we, the takeaway on this podcast is this. The probate court has probably 
the broadest range of jurisdiction over just subject matters of, of, of any court, really. And they can handle, in a given county, traffic or not. They could be the, the registrar for elections or not. They could be the uh, vital statistics keeper or not, and or any combination thereof. Fireworks permits. Fireworks permits is a big one you need to remember. Absolutely. And, and that's in every county. And yeah, I know. Every yeah, county. I mean, that, is, that is statewide, people. So the... The one thing, though, that probate judges, you know, your your president of your council this year uh, have the, I guess, honor to swear in the governor. He did. And that was the first time I think that had ever happened. I, not that I've never seen it. Not that I recall anyway. Yeah. So, um, and that's T.J. Hudson, who's down in... Um, Trutland County. The Trutland County in, in Soperton. So with the, the takeaway from this being your jurisdiction is broad. And there are lots of different things that, again, when it doesn't fit obvious another, another connection to another court, it comes to you. That is correct. And I, and I know in a previous podcast that was being recorded, you were talking about things like parental, you know, parental rights and things of that nature. And something like a, a power of attorney to give your parental authority over to another person, even though we don't have much to do with it. When they created this statute, they said, who do we give it to? Or who do we, where do we have it reside? Probate court. Let's go to our old, reliable probate court. That's right. Yeah. So as we leave today, understand that uh, we've talked about the fact that the Good Judgment podcast is, we're both Superior Court judges, and the podcast has always been sort of for Georgia judges. It's for anyone who cares to, to learn more about what we do. But we have always been excited about the prospects of being more inclusive, and you're going to hear some additional podcasts going forward from other classes of court. And we're excited about being able to do that going forward. So Keith, thank you for being here today and giving us our, our, our initial primer on probate issues. We might go a little deeper on some others. I appreciate the opportunity. And I'm Wade Padgett. I'm Tane Kell. And one final takeaway from today too is they don't just call us superior because of our attitude. Thanks for listening, folks. Jeez. Thank you for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. This project was the brainchild of Doug Ashworth, the executive director of ICJE. Thanks and appreciation to Mr. Jim Henneberger and the entire University of Georgia College of Law. Without them, we really could not do this. And thanks to Mr. Stephen Turner and his company, Turner Up Media, who helped to edit some of our stupidity and awkwardness. Hey, but nobody can get it all. That's a good point. Tane and I are eternally grateful to the Council Superior Court judges who allowed us to lead new judge orientation for the Superior Court judges across Georgia. And thanks to our NGAO graduates who've been willing to help with this podcast series. You know that these are our opinions and do not reflect the opinions of ICJE, CSCJ, the University of Georgia College of Law, or anybody else with an acronym or alphabet name. Or anyone else for that matter. Contact us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com if you have any praise. And contact someone else with any of your complaints. <laughs> but seriously... We would love to have your feedback, both good and bad. Send those comments to goodjudgepod at gmail.com. And visit our website at goodjudgepod.com for outlines and more details about our podcasts. Once again, I am Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell. And thanks for listening.
Tane, I guess it's time to bang the gavel on this one. Any last thoughts before we wrap this session up? No, let's just turn it over to the studio audience and the crowd goes wild. Thanks for listening to the Good Judge Men Podcast.